The Tom Woods Show, episode 1070, bonus episode. Prepare to set fire to the index card of allowable opinion. Your daily dose of liberty education starts here. The Tom Woods Show. Hello, everybody. Tom Woods here. Steve Clayton is back with us again. We talked to Steve last year. He is a master of e-commerce and in particular of getting newbies up and running in e-commerce. He himself was a VP with LabCorp, a company a great many of you no doubt have heard of, and then just left that all behind to go out on his own. And I'm going to ask him about that because that's quite a gutsy move, and it paid immense dividends for him. He runs numerous e-commerce businesses of his own, and he also runs training programs to help people get up and running doing it themselves. So even though he had a great job with LabCorp, he preferred to be more of a nomad and be able to be wherever he wanted and and have that kind of lifestyle. And he got it. He got it. It's an amazing story because I, I think a lot of us, myself included, are conservative enough that in that position, I think I would have taken, I would have accepted the negative aspects of the job and just been glad about the high salary. But for him, the money was not enough. There was something more important than money. And he wound up getting the money anyway. So it all worked out very well for him. Steve, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Tom. Really uh, excited to be here. Thank you. All right. It's been, I don't know, eight, 10 months since we've spoken last. And maybe uh, I've had a lot of new listeners since then, and not everybody remembers your story. But you've got such a great story that I feel like I can't talk about e-commerce and the internet and stuff without diving into your personal stake in all this and what it's meant for you and where you came from and all that. I mean, here you were, a guy with an extremely enviable job, right? I mean, you're VP over at LabCorp, a company we've all heard of. We've all had blood testing done there. And there you are on top of the world. I don't know what you were earning, but I'm sure it was a lot. And you took that. You didn't say... I'm not going to work at McDonald's anymore. I'm going <laughs> to give something else a try. You were risking a lot when you said, take this job and shove it. I think I can work on my own much better. Talk to us about that. Yeah, I, you know, hopefully it, it resonates with, with a lot of people, not necessarily because they'd have the exact same story, but I think people often have the same feelings, right? That, and those feelings were more like, you know, you're on this autopilot path and, you know, you're just kind of moving along and going through the motions and, and maybe you're not doing the things that, that really make you happy. So I started out as a programmer. Uh, when I got out of school, computer programmer. And uh, I enjoyed that. Um, but I, I was probably never going to be the guy who invented the next, you know, new compiler design or something like that. I mean, I, I was a reasonably okay programmer, but I think my strengths were really more about being able to talk to the business people too and kind of translate that into programming. So those kind of people uh, who are able to sort of speak, you know, business and nerd, you know, which was kind of my gift back then, um, you know, they, they, they were, we were uh, able to, to sort of rise up in corporate America and and be, you know, uh, directors and or project managers, directors. And then I ended up being a chief information officer for a public company. And, and this was a really exciting time for me because, it was a very small company. I mean, you know, small within the context of other public companies. It was $30, $40 million a year in revenue. And we had a six or seven year stretch where we grew that company into a $200 million business. And so it was super entrepreneurial. It was really small. It was really fast moving. There was a lot of risk taking. The The management team was, uh, was a very small group of us. And uh, anyway, it was a great, great time, you know. So you know, like all businesses like that, uh, you get you face with the point where you reach a certain point of, of growth and all of a sudden people are interested in buying you. And and so along comes LabCorp 
And LabCorp was at that point, I don't know, maybe four and a half billion dollar company, you know, somewhere around there. So they buy us and and I don't mean to say anything bad about LabCorp. They're a really good company. They've always treated me very, very well. But when you're a five billion dollar company, you really can't maneuver. You're not very entrepreneurial. You know, you're just, you know, you're you've got all this corporate culture and baggage and and all that kind of stuff. And certainly my career path, you know, uh, when I was younger, I always thought, well, I'll, I'll just continue to sort of ride that corporate ladder, maybe be a CEO at some point. Until I, I think I got old enough where I sort of realized, you know, I'm not even sure I want to do that. I, I don't even think I'd be good at it. Um, as it turns out, people who are entrepreneurs uh, tend to make really crappy employees for the most part, you know, because we we want to go out and do our own thing. We we think we you know we want to take risks. We want to uh, go think outside the box, and we want to come up with new new ways of doing things and new ideas. And that doesn't fit really well with corporate, you know. So I had to really take a step back and say, geez, I you know I'm really not happy. I, I don't know that I can really fake it, you know, and and rise up anymore in the corporate ladder. So what am I going to do? You know, and, and I had always wanted to be uh, my own, you know, have my own business. I always want to build a business. And I think a lot of people feel that way. They just don't know what to do, you know, and, and I had been dabbling in internet marketing for a couple of years. You know, it, it, it interested me because it was a nice, um, there was a nice uh, sort of intersection of my technical interests about, you know, what's going on online and uh, analytical skills and things like that, along with marketing and business. Um, and so I said, you know, I think I can, I think I can make something uh, out of an online business. And, and that's where I, where I, I just said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. And I put some goals out there and I said, you know, if I can accomplish this by this certain time and this quarter, then I won't go look for a real job. And, you know, that was whatever. I don't even know anymore. 13 years ago or something like that. And I, you know, I haven't, uh, haven't ever had to go back to a real job. So I'm sure that was more than you wanted to hear. No, but. no, no. But that's <laughs> fascinating to me. That's absolutely fascinating. And then on top of running e-commerce businesses, you've also been involved in teaching people things. Now, you know, I have a PhD in uh, U.S. history, which is not a very marketable thing, <laughs> right? Yeah, but right. at the same time, uh, and and there's a lot of knowledge acquisition that goes into getting that. Yep. But I wouldn't have any fun with it if I weren't sharing it with people, if I weren't producing podcast episodes or writing books. If I weren't sharing it, it would be no fun. And I think that's kind of the attitude that I get from you is that, yeah, you – do really, really well, but you also like showing other people how that's done. And I know there are people who feel like if you're doing really well, why wouldn't you just want to keep it to yourself? Yeah. What kind of a terrible person are you to even think that? <laughs> if you're doing well, you would want to share. In fact, our our mutual friends, uh, Tara and Nicholas Miller, who yep. uh, done very well uh, learning from you and who are listeners of mine and supporters of the show, um, you know, I know in the back of their minds, they're thinking that someday they'd like to train young moms and dads to do what they do working from home. So I think it's a natural instinct. Yeah, I, I think it is too. By the way, Tara, I, I just met with uh, Tara yesterday and uh, come to find out their business is now actually bigger, uh, that part of their, you know, the part of our business, their business is actually bigger than ours now for crying out loud. So, so that so the, is crazy. So yes. they, they run, they run Shopify stores. Yeah. I mean, just so because not everybody knows what that business model is. Yeah, yeah. From their homes, right. they don't ever touch any products. Right. They they don't have to. They almost never have to talk to anybody. Yep. I mean, it's an amazing model. And wow, I mean, when I had them on the show, because I you know, I was getting all these people saying, "Hey, Woods, look at 
this that I'm accomplishing thanks to Steve Clayton. So I did a whole episode on it, right. and I didn't know how well they were doing. So I basically dropped the microphone. Like, what the heck? <laughs> what, are you kidding me? And sometimes you hear these numbers and you think, that can't be. I know. That's not, that's, no one can do that. That can't be. It's crazy, but you know, I mean, uh, just uh, Amazon is, is just is a good metric to think about, right? Amazon sold uh, last year uh, twenty three billion dollars of products from third party sellers, people like us. You know, twenty three billion dollars. So, I mean, yeah, you hear those numbers and they're crazy, but somebody's selling it because it was this. Oh, by the way, this when by last year I mean two thousand sixteen. So 2017 was probably closer to almost $30 billion. I mean, it's just insane. But, you know, Tom, I did want to pick up on one thing you said about the, this teaching other people, if you don't mind. Um, yeah, go ahead. Because I think part of my journey was trying to figure out what I call, and I talk about this a lot because I love sharing this, sort of my recipe for happiness. And, and my recipe for happiness is, it sounds ridiculously simple, but I think people just don't do it. So my recipe is this. Figure out what you like to do. Do more of that. Figure out what you don't like to do. Don't do as much of that. And help other people do the same thing as much as you can. Those are the three things that I try and do. And it's amazing how I, I understand that sounds very simple, but people don't do it. They don't actually even understand the things that make them happy. They don't you know, become introspective. They don't look at their life. They're, they, they're on autopilot all the time. They're living other people's expectations. They don't think about what really makes them happy. So I went through this journey and I discovered, you know what? One of the things that really makes me happy is, is like, is not only building these businesses, but sharing that with other people, helping other people, training other people and watching these businesses develop. And, you know, my partners and I, we've trained thousands of people over the last decade. And, it never gets old to have a conversation like I had yesterday with Tara, where she tells me uh, all her numbers because we were trying to give her some advice. Turns out she should be giving us advice for crying out loud because, again, uh, you know, we have many businesses, but when we compare our specific exact type of business to hers, she's now bigger than we are. So that's pretty damn awesome as far as I'm yeah, concerned. And that happened in under a year. Yeah. That's the thing. <laughs> she found out about you less than a year ago. Uh, and by the way, people in my um, supporting listeners Facebook group, some of them know the Millers. They're, they're just regular people yeah. who comment in the Facebook group like anybody else. All right. So so you release a lot of videos. You do podcast episodes. I think I heard, I don't know if it was you. Yeah, you've been on with... Um, Andrew Hansen. I think you've been on his yeah. podcast. Yep, I know yep, him. Yep. Uh, but then you guys also release, you do a product launch every year, but it's only one a year. It's not these serial product launchers who every six weeks they've got something new that's going to change the world. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. We try and do, um, you know, we spend a lot of time figuring out what, you know, we feel like each year our, our objective is the same. And our objective is what is the best way to get as many people as we possibly can to build online businesses. That's what we try and accomplish each and every year. And then during the year, we do all sorts of, you know, free videos and free information. And, you know, we talk to people like you, Tom and, and Andrew and all that kind of good stuff. But, but we put all of our efforts into, into this, you know, once a year, what is the current with, with current technology, with current market conditions, with uh, our current level of understanding, um, and also our, our infrastructure. The other thing that guides our company, and, and we have many different facets of our company, but the other thing that guides our company is that everything we do for ourselves, we also figure out if we can leverage for other people. 
So quick, tiny little example. We have a warehouse in North Carolina. We, we also have one in China. And so when we produce products each year, we leverage things like that or our programming team or, you know, or, or software. That's a big thing, you know, software tools that we develop in-house that help us. So each year, our objective is the same. The way that we accomplish that objective is different sometimes uh, each year, uh, but, uh, but it's always a really exciting time for us to, to do that. I constantly get the question, what should I do? I know yeah. there are a lot of people doing a lot of things online, and a lot of them seem to work for those people, right. but I don't even know where to start. There are a lot of different models. I could be an affiliate. I could create my own product. I could uh, I could have a membership site. I, yeah. You could just go on and on and on. And I sometimes know how to answer that. I try to figure out where they're coming from and what their strengths are, but is there a more generic answer that you give? I think so. I mean, I, I think that e-commerce is really the place to begin, barring any other sort of you know special information or circumstances. And for me, the reason the reason that is is because you know everybody understands that model. We all shop on Amazon. <laughs> I mean, pretty much. I I'd be shocked if there's anybody listening to this right that has not bought something on Amazon. Um, so we all understand the model. We all understand the marketing behind it. You know, we know that you know, people need, you know, the, uh, this uh, garlic press or a trash can or, a, and we sort of understand the, the marketing that goes in uh, around that and, you know, that the, what the description should be and all that kind of stuff. So you don't need to have an MBA or, you know, a marketing degree or anything like that. Um, it's super easy to explain to people. And by that, I actually mean like, like your family and friends. And, you know, when you go to your, uh, your spouse and you say, uh, yeah, I want to do an online business and you start talking about, you know, affiliate marketing or information yeah, they product. They have no idea yeah, what you're even talking about. Like, yeah, I don't think we're going to do that because I don't even, you can't even explain it to me. Yeah, and, yeah and, I know, give up. Yeah, yeah, it's a big joke in my family. Nobody actually knows what I do for a living, you know, because we, we have our fingers in so many different things. So uh, so I think for all those reasons, and then I think the biggest reason uh, to, to consider e-commerce is is Amazon. You know, like I said, twenty in 2016, $23 billion dollars of sales were made on, on the Amazon platform by people like me and you and all the people listening here, people working out of their garage. Um, and in 2017, it was, I'm, I guarantee it was about $30 billion and Amazon sells more from people like us than they do of their own stuff. And so they've created this environment where, um, you know, it makes it so much easier to be able to, uh, to start a business uh, because they are essentially your partner in it. Yeah, see, now that, that's something I want to jump in on. A lot of people have the wrong idea about Amazon. They look at it one-dimensionally. They say that Amazon is simply a destructive force that is ruining local retail. And it's true, there's a grain of truth in that, that there are a lot of retail establishments that are finding they can't compete with Amazon. Fair enough. But that, I think, only looks at one side of the picture. The other side is Amazon also makes it possible for the little guy to prosper. For example, let's say some small used bookstore somewhere that would never have enough foot traffic from the neighborhood to keep its doors open, but right. they have a worldwide platform because of Amazon. And likewise, people can use, they can piggyback on the fact that Amazon already has a platform, already has a reputation, and people already have their payment information stored in Amazon. So you don't even have to get over the hurdle of getting people's wallets out of their pockets. That, to me, is the real story of Amazon, but it's hardly ever being told. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. They're just, I mean, they're, they're just disruptive. Things change, you know, I mean, when, uh, when, when the, the automobile came around, obviously a lot of people who were in horses and buggies, you know, uh, were, there was a problem, uh, for them, but you know, they had other opportunities, you know, where they could sell auto parts or tires or, you know, whatever. So it's just, it, it's not that it's not causing any pain, but with any dis- market disruption like this, um, you know, there, there's pain, but there's also incredible opportunity. And you know what? Most people don't own a small mom and pop brick and mortar store. So it actually is more opportunity than it is pain, I think, you know? Yeah, I, I, no, I couldn't agree more. But uh, again, there's a part of our society that looks at amazing things and is constantly trying to find the bad in them Mm. instead of saying, this is great. What a wonderful time to be alive. This is all right. So e-commerce, but e-commerce like affiliate marketing from time to time changes. The best practices change. The best platform changes. The best approach changes. Should I, and the kind of traffic I should try to drive changes. So how do people stay on top of that? Is there a chance that they could be in an outdated model or something? Well, I think um, it, it's absolutely has changed. I mean, back when when I look at our first e-commerce uh, sites that we developed, and I, I don't even remember what year it was, honestly, but I can tell you that the site actually still even is exists. It's called uh, pbmissions.com, which was a completely meaningless domain name. But we sold um, we sold these train horns. Now, I don't want to get off on too much of a tangent, but these are the most obnoxious things ever because they're, they're essentially like these air compressor horns. Like you find on trains, you know, like really loud, obnoxious things that you put in your trucks and boats and things like that. So, you know, it's, uh, that's, that's pretty, uh, pretty annoying. Um, but, but, uh, there was a niche market for these, uh, train horns. And, uh, and so back then, um, you know, you build your own website, so you had to have all the technical knowledge, you had to have all the design and graphic design knowledge and all that kind of stuff. You had to buy inventory, right? Um, oftentimes a lot of inventory and you had to warehouse that inventory. Um, you had to fulfill the orders. So, you know, you had to have staff in the warehouse and shipping and all that kind of stuff. And then for crying out loud, the traffic, you know, you had to drive traffic to your website. So you had to learn search engine optimization. You had to learn, uh, you know, Google AdWords. And then there was a huge amount of risk of paying for that traffic and all that kind of stuff. So that was sort of, although it was much, much better than a brick and mortar store, right? Because there's like a hundred times more risk and capital investment for a brick and mortar store. There was still a lot of pain points there. You know, the capital, the warehouse, inventory management, SEO, Amazon or uh, Google AdWords traffic, cash flow, all, all that kind of stuff. Oh, and by the way, customer support and returns, all that sort of stuff, right? You fast forward now, and we're talking, you know, almost 15 years. And now, Amazon, essentially, if you know what you're doing and with a little bit of of training and things like that, Amazon essentially takes care of all of those pain points for you. You know, if you there's you don't have to manage your inventory anymore or or do the order fulfillment or do the returns or do the customer service. Um, You don't have to worry about traffic. You don't have to worry about your website. You don't have to be a graphic designer uh, or anything like that. Um, You know, you can provide uh, inventory to Amazon. Um, and essentially at that point you're done, 
and you don't even have to have you can dip your toe in and out so you don't have to buy like a lot of inventory or or anything like that i mean very specifically you could you could potentially buy you know 50 rubber made trash cans provide those to amazon sell them at a profit and you know that's it i mean you don't have to talk to any customer you don't have to package up any order. You, you don't have to store them in your garage. You, you don't have to worry about search engine optimization or paying for AdWords traffic or returns or anything like that. So there's been this evolution of sort of this easing into an e-commerce model and the, and the reduction of risk. You know, I mean, if you think about it, there's just, there's like zero risk to try and be one of these people that are selling these $30 billion a year and making a profit and doing so. Well, I'm certainly not worried about my, uh, you know, whatever, $5,000 a month mortgage on my storefront. Again, exactly, like, you know, yeah. like this is 1957 or something. Yeah. I had a guy on this show a couple of times named Ryan Daniel Moran. He actually bought the domain name capitalism.com. <laughs> I don't know what that cost him. I'm sure it was a fortune. Uh, I yeah. think it was held, I think it might have been held by somebody who hated capitalism. So, <laughs> you know, and yet that person, I'm sure, made a cool uh, fortune <laughs> selling the domain. The iron. But anyway, but Ryan... Uh, has made a, I mean, he's seven, maybe eight figures yep. at this point, and a lot of it was through Amazon, and not through the affiliate program, although nothing against the Amazon affiliate program. You can make a little cash here and there and buy your lunch every day with it, but there are other ways of prospering on Amazon. That's what he's done, is he just used the existing platform, but there are a couple of ways of doing it, and I know that if I were going to get involved with Amazon, there's a really, really hard and annoying way that I would avoid, right. and there's a much easier way. Yeah, there, there definitely is. I mean, uh, you, you generally find people who do one of two things on Amazon. Uh, and, and many times, like us, they do both of these things, which I actually think is a good idea to do both of these things. Um, so the two different ways are, one is you could come up with your own product. So we eh, have... Not doing it. <laughs> there you go, right <laughs> Sorry. away. Sorry. Right? <laughs> well, it's, it's not as hard as it seems, uh, but, it, but there are a lot more obstacles to overcome. Uh, yeah, you, know, yeah. you have to create your own list. And you have to do a lot of your own marketing and brand building and so on. Um, and so you sort of come up with your own version of a mousetrap, you know, for lack of a better way to describe it. The other model, which is a hell of a lot easier, and certainly if you're brand new, I recommend that this is the way to start because it's there, it's just so much easier, so much quicker, uh, even less risk, even though there's not that much risk with the private with doing your own. And that is you are just simply selling other people's products. So think about the think about the guy who has the brick and mortar store on Main Street in in your town. Um, and maybe he's got a little general store if any of those still exist. And he's selling rubber made trash cans. Well, I mean, those are the same rubber made trash cans that the general store down the street is selling or Walmart is selling or, you know, in the next town over. So there's no, th this is a model that's been around for a long time. You're simply not selling them in the mom and pop store on main street. You're selling them on Amazon. And most of, I don't actually know the, the exact percentage, but I would venture to say probably 60 to maybe even 75% of that $30 billion that's sold on Amazon by other people is through this model. Because it's much easier to do, more people are doing it, and uh, there's a lot more turnover and everything. And so, so you are simply, uh, you know, buying uh, wholesale. You're buying much like a Main Street mom and pop person would do. You buy 10, 20, 30, whatever it is, Rubbermaid trash cans at ten dollars, and you sell them on Amazon for twenty dollars. And 
you're selling them on uh, you, you know a listing that already exists on Amazon. You're typically sharing it with four or five other people who are also selling the Rubbermaid trash cans. And that's just fine because there's plenty of traffic and buyers to go around. And Amazon provides you with all the traffic. You, you don't worry about marketing. You don't worry about customer support. Uh, you don't worry about fulfilling the orders. You don't worry about returns. You don't worry about any of that stuff. All you simply do is identify that, yep, okay, um, you know, Rubbermaid trash cans looks like the right opportunity for me right now. Uh, and I'll talk about what, how you would do that in just one second. Yeah, that was my question. Yeah. How would I, there's eight zillion things on Amazon and some of them probably sell well and some of them don't sell. Yep. Uh, but the, the beauty is that Amazon will tell you what that is, what, what it is. Um, so, and then you, uh, so you identify that Rubbermaid trash cans are, are what you want to sell and you, you, you get them at a, uh, at a wholesale price or hell, you can even get them, uh, at a, a lot of people do this, you know, with Costco is running a sale half off, you buy 40 of them. Uh, the other day, my wife ordered uh, something, and I, hell, I think it was actually the Rubbermaid trash can, which is why I keep using that as an example. My wife ordered one from Amazon, and it showed up in a Walmart box because they didn't even bother to redo the box. Wow. Yeah, somebody <laughs> just bought it at Walmart for 10 bucks and sold it on Amazon for 20 People do this all the time. So anyway, that's what, what, uh, what, what this model is and why it's so easy because the buyers are already there, you know? So – the, we were talking a little bit about the, uh, you know, how do you know the Rubbermaid trash cans are what you want to do? It's it's interesting. Amazon actually gives you all of the uh, or a lot of the the market intelligence that you need to know to decide that that's a good opportunity. Now there are ways that you can, you know, we have software that makes it even more of a no-brainer. But even if you don't have that software, you can look on Amazon and you could look at what's called the bestseller ranking, and. Um, you know, if you don't know where that is or what it is, just look, just Google that. And it's on every Amazon listing. And basically, that is just a, a number that tells you how well this product is selling. You can look at anything on Amazon. And if you sort of have a knowledge of what those, you know, what the context of that number is, you can tell whether it's selling really well. And in general, any BSR, the lower the BSR, the more it sells. And so what I always tell people is, look, if you've got a BSR under 5,000, I don't care what category it is. That's a product that sells a lot. You know, you're talking about, I mean, it, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 a day, you know, something like that. Um, and so you already know what it sells for price-wise. You know that it sells a lot. You know how many other sellers are selling it. So, I mean, Amazon gives you this incredible amount of market intelligence. You don't really have to guess. It's pretty amazing. But couldn't it also but couldn't it also be that occasionally there's an obscure product that doesn't sell that many, but at the same time there aren't that many other sellers, so that would also balance out. How do I balance all those considerations out? Maybe everybody wants to get into the number one product or something. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, you really don't it's really at the end of the day, what it comes down to is how much can you make every day, right? And so think about it for a minute. If you had perfect knowledge that by looking at a listing and saying, okay, I know I will be able to sell two of these every single day. And I know what I will sell them for because I can tell that. And I know what I can buy them for. Okay. Then you know for certain how much money you'll make every day. And so that's all you care about. You don't really care whether it's a really popular product that has a low price point and a lot of people selling it, or if it's an obscure product that has a high price point and nobody's selling it doesn't matter. 
because all that matters is what combination of those variables, assuming you have that perfect data, what combination of those variables uh, you know, produce an end result of a profit per day for you? That's really all you care about. All right. Now, the thing is, the last thing in the world I want to do, let me be frank, is box up Rubbermaid trash cans <laughs> and send them into Amazon. Yeah. I, that is, I have absolutely no desire to do that. Yeah. So, and I don't think most people do either. No. What's the? There's got to be a workaround. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are services out there um, that will do that for you, and so you never have to see the, you know, the inventory. Uh, you buy it. You buy, you know, fifty trash cans. You send them to this place, and they'll do it all for you. You never see it. Um, and you know, our program that that we're that we're launching uh, this year uh, is certainly an all-inclusive uh, program like that. We're just basically leveraging the same warehouse we use. We've got we've actually got a warehouse now in Detroit and a warehouse in uh, in North Carolina um, in the United States. So we do it ourselves. We have people that you know receive the merchandise and just simply repackage it for Amazon. Um, try not to have people you know get buy something on Amazon that shows up with a Walmart box. But, um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's uh there are, there are ways, uh, you know, getting involved with, with folks like us. Um, or again, there are other services that, you know, that you, you could use, um, uh, where they'll do that stuff for you. All right. So if I'm getting this right, I don't have a whole lot of experience on Amazon except as an affiliate, but the idea is people are already buying certain products all the time. I don't need to send traffic to them. There's a worldwide audience for Rubbermaid trash cans, whatever. These things are already selling. Yep. So it's just a matter of you, you be the guy who, when the person clicks the buy now button, collects the dough. Uh, I just, I don't know how that happens, and I, I don't know where I would start with doing something like that. And it, I don't know, is it a pain in the neck? I mean, the one thing that I know is that I know trash cans sell, right. and I also know that I'm not going to have a garage full of trash cans, but I'm not exactly <laughs> sure what the what the steps are here. Yeah, I so I think that the here are the, here are the places that people run into problems um, just kind of doing it, right? Uh, one is just the overall training to understand Amazon. Amazon's um, back office, it's called Seller Central, uh, I mean, it's, it's good, but it's, um, I, it, by no means what I call it intuitive, which, you know, is not terribly surprising. I don't think Amazon's website has ever been, you know, the best website, uh, designed website, uh, ever. Um, so just an overall understanding of how Amazon works. It's, believe me, it is not hard. You just need a little bit of training, uh, to do that. I think the other place that, um, people will run into trouble is this, um, getting the perfect data, right? So, you know, how do I absolutely know how many of these things are being sold, what I can sell them for, and how many I would actually be able to sell per day? So getting that perfect data is, is really, really important. Uh, another area that people may run into problems is finding suppliers. Um, you know, that is probably one of the bigger challenges that people have. That's why a lot of people go to like Costco or, you know, Walmart or something when they see big sales. Um, but that is not... Uh, the best way because you don't get the lowest prices and it's really hard to scale a business into like a multi-million dollar business um, by shopping at Walmart. It's um, pretty much impossible to do that. And the final way I think that people, you know, would get hung up on this obstacles that they might see would be this, what you were talking about, you know, kind of that warehouse and okay, well, where do I, you know, I don't want to bring these to my garage and then I have to repackage them and that's a pain in the ass and all that kind of stuff. Keep in mind, 
and I always like to tell people this, you know, all those things I just described, it sure as hell beats digging ditches for a living. You know, I mean, like, even if you didn't have any help, you know, uh, plenty of us have overcome these on our own and, uh, and, and, and $30 billion uh, get sold doing this way, you know, a lot of people out of their garage, but I understand, uh, why people don't, you know, are, are worried about these things. And again, like I was saying every year, our goal is to try and get rid of as many of these problems with the best model that we can come up with, you know, that we're using to help people build businesses. So that's what we've done this year is, you know, we've put together our, our, um, uh, basically a software suite that gets you that perfect data. Um, so along with a whole supplier infrastructure, you know, here are all suppliers that are ready to sell you products. Here are the thousands and thousands of products that they sell. And essentially, we work with uh, with our our folks to to bounce that up against the software and say, "Up, oh, yep, rubber made trash cans." Sure enough, uh, if you buy twenty of those, you'll be able to sell those in uh, seven days, uh, and you'll make uh, you know five hundred and fifty dollars in profit. And it's super; it's ridiculously accurate. We have spent years tracking down the best data sources. Uh, now, Amazon helps tremendously, um, but uh, but it's super super accurate. So. The, you get all that market intelligence and that and that like you know really accurate data so that gets rid of that obstacle the supplier uh, you know database and all the relationships that we have with all of these wholesale suppliers and thousands and thousands of products get rid of that obstacle we've got uh, our, our warehouses that handle all of the orders and and all that kind of stuff so you get rid of that obstacle um, so you know we've We've kind of, that's basically what we try and do. You can do it on your own too. You can get rid of those obstacles. As I keep saying, you know, it's all relative. This is not, you're not out flipping burgers. You're not digging ditches. If you wanted to overcome them yourself, you can. Uh, you can do it out of your garage, just like people who are selling $30 billion worth of stuff every single year. Uh, but hopefully we can make it a little bit easier. Well, as last year, you're going to do a demonstration for us and Give us an overview of exactly how this works, how other people are doing this. Yep. And as I said, I know people who are super duper successful with this. And I have not run into anybody who has listened to Steve Clayton give a presentation who said, well, that was not a good use of my time. <laughs> that, is not, that does not exist. That is a, there's no such thing. That's like a unicorn. Uh, does not exist. I appreciate it. So, yeah. So we're going to do that on January 23rd, 7 p.m. Eastern. And I have a sign-up at I decided to do TomWoods.com slash beginner because maybe this is the beginning thing for a lot of people who have been on the fence. And they say, yeah, I know I should probably do this. It is 2018 after all. And there are a lot of things I could be doing in 2018 that I couldn't have done in 1958. So, well, listen to what Steve has to say and, and make up your mind. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, there's nothing to – you got nothing to lose to, to listen to uh, – What'll be a, a lot of content and much much more detail than we could go into on on a podcast like this about about this model. I mean, very very detailed. So you'll walk away with a lot of information. You know whether you ever choose to you know move forward and be part of our team or not. But um, you'll get a lot out of it. I, I absolutely promise you that. And it does not matter if you like Amazon or not. No. I know there are some people who don't like <laughs> large behemoths or whatever. And there are people like me who aren't particularly fans of Mark Zuckerberg yeah. on Facebook. Yeah, exactly. But as I've said repeatedly on my email list, I may not like Mark Zuckerberg, but if he wants to help me get rich, I'll let him. Absolutely. You know, and I think that should be the attitude. In fact, somebody the other day, I think, I, I don't know if I should repeat it. Let's just say his name is Jason. He's been a guest on the show. I'll just leave it there. I saw him on Facebook commenting on, somebody had a discussion thread going about something, and they were asking, 
um, are you offended by people who spend their money in such and such a way or buy this asset or don't buy that asset? And this guy said, you know what offends me? That libertarians are the brokest people I know. That offends me. I'm sick of that. So anyway, if you're sick of that too, you got to oh, check out TomWoods.com slash beginner. All right, Steve, uh, I hope you survived the, the brutal cold oh, out there in Chicago. But remember, you're the guy who chose to move from Florida I know. to Chicago. So, you know, how many people can you blame for that? I know. You're absolutely right. I know. All right. Anyway, always fun talking to you, Steve. Thanks a lot. You too, Tom. Thanks. All right, everybody, tomwoods.com slash beginner is where to sign up. You are not going to regret any time spent with Steve Clayton. Very, very good guy and very, very smart guy. Knows way, way more about this stuff than I do. So I will certainly be there as well. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Become a smarter libertarian in just 30 minutes a day. Visit tomwoods.com to subscribe to the show for free, and we'll see you next time.